Welcome, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches, Bluntstown, Chipley, and Mariana. And if today is your first time here, it's a great day for you to be here because we have our friend, Matt Johnson from Kentucky, who's going to be sharing with us. All of you have heard that, and we all love Matt. So uh, he's a great friend of mine, and uh, man, he's got a great message for you, um, 9.30 or 9, 9 o'clock service. It was just absolutely amazing. Can't wait for you to hear it. And I would like to say this. If, uh, if you missed any of the past few weeks, I would absolutely encourage you to go watch on our app or our website or listen there because it gives you even greater context for what Matt is going to be talking about today. But before Matt comes to share today, I want to talk to you about something that we do every fourth Sunday of the month, something we're always excited about, and it's why we exist as a church, because we go beyond, above and beyond our normal generosity to show our communities that God is for them by the way that we are for them. We call that around here $4 for others. And I know when you talk about $4, that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when all of us come together at all of our campuses and give, it adds up to a great blessing for our community. So each month, all of our $4 are given to a group of people or an organization in our communities that is serving the people of our communities in order to bless them and help them go further faster and bless our communities even more. And remember, by the way, the goal is not the amount that we give. It is that 100% of us are participating together in order to be for our community. And so this month, we're going to bless two organizations that are helping to create affordable housing for people in our community that are struggling. The first one of those is going to be Habitat for Humanity. In fact, if you are in Washington or Jackson County, you know Habitat has multiple houses that are being built in Jackson and Washington counties right now. And so this month, Chipley and Mariana, your giving is going to go to help before the on-site crews who are volunteering their time, whether that's supplying a meal for them or any other resources that they need or any supplies that the volunteer teams are needing as they're serving um, at these houses to build. Now, Bluntstown, your giving is going to go to Community um, Action Agency. They are a nonprofit in Calhoun Liberty Counties that assists families to find stable housing. They offer many other incredible programs that help Families find their way out of poverty to a life that is sustainable. In fact, a few years ago, um, one of the um, ladies, Peggy, that uh, works for Community Action Agents that goes to our Blunstown campus, she took some of us through their pro poverty training totally opened my eyes to a whole other world that most of us are not even aware of. It is absolutely an incredible organization. makes a big difference. So here's how you give when you came in today. There was an envelope that was on the chair, and here's the thing. You can put your cash in this envelope and drop it in the giving boxes on your way out today, or you can scan this QR code that is on the envelope, or you can go to the RCC app to give um, there digitally as well to the four fund. So go ahead and do that right now at all of our churches. And while you're doing that, I just want to thank you for being a church that helps us show the love of Jesus through the many different expressions of being for. Because as we've said throughout this whole sermon series in Ephesians, it is our strong faith in Jesus that is demonstrated by our love for each other as a church and those in our communities that's going to make our church a desired destination for those that are in our community. Now, Matt's going to come, and if you got your Bibles, you want to go to Ephesians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be this week. Next week, I'm going to be starting in, in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you want to read ahead, and um, that would be a great thing as well. But today, um, grab your Bibles, anything you're going to take notes on, and let's welcome Matt as he comes to share our fourth part of our first love series. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Buddy. Yeah. 
Good morning, RCC. It is great to be here. I'm always excited when I'm here. I'm always excited when I hear what God's doing through you guys. It is pretty remarkable. It may seem like normal to you. It is not normal. Uh, the impact you're making, the different things God's doing through you are pretty incredible. So uh, it's great to be a part of that. And I'm really excited that I get to be part of this summer series, First Love. I, I think this is a really important series, and it raises a really important question that I want to start today by asking you to think about. The question is simply this. Why are you part of a church? Why are you part of a church? Some of you are thinking, well, uh, because I was raised to go to church, you know, or this is just a thing we do. I don't know that we ever pause and really think about this. I think it's worth thinking about because there are plenty of people who've chosen not to be a part of a church or chosen to disengage with the church. I'm not being critical of them at all, but I want you to think about why you've taken a different route. Why are you part of this church? Why have you decided it is worth it to come, to contribute, to, uh, to give your time, to give your money, to, to be a part of this, to connect with people here. What impact, what difference does that make? Over the years, uh, since Jesus launched the church 2,000 years ago, a lot of people have decided church is worth giving their life to. The Apostle Paul was certainly one of those. And if you're new with us, you, you know, haven't been here in a little while, this series that we're in, we're actually looking at a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians in the city of Ephesus. But what got him to the point where he was writing this letter is that Paul, in essence, gave up everything he had going for him and devoted his life to traveling around the known world at the time, 2,000 years ago, and going to all these little towns and cities, you know, and places. And he would share with people, most of whom had never heard that Jesus had showed up. He died on a cross. He'd risen again to pay the penalty for their sins. They would hear this message. Some of them would choose to believe and begin following Jesus. And Paul would start these little movements or gatherings of people that we call churches. And he Start him in all these little different towns. This is what happened in Ephesus. He shows up at Ephesus. He ends up spending the first time about three years in Ephesus sharing. And there were a lot of ups and downs in that that we don't have time to get into today. But the point is, he gets this church off the ground. He gets this uh, new group of Jesus followers all gathered together and engaging with their community like a church should engage with their community. And what is remarkable is it literally turned the city of Ephesus, which was just a Greek port city in what's modern-day Turkey, it turned it upside down, completely changed so many things about how the people in Ephesus lived and operated and treated one another. Um, it was pretty remarkable when you read the transformation that took place, and yet as Paul, if you've been tracking with the series, as he has shared with you, if you fast forward 30 years from the time that the Apostle Paul started this church, 30 years later, well, something very different is going on with the church. 30 years later, John, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples, John, who maybe you don't realize, but he actually lived in Ephesus for a while, and most scholars believe John took Mary, the mother of Jesus, with him to Ephesus, and she lived there on the outskirts of Ephesus in her very last days. So they were very familiar with the people there and the church there in Ephesus. But John, 30 years after the Apostle Paul starts this thing, is now delivering a warning to the church in Ephesus. And it's a warning that's directly from Jesus, where Jesus said, John, you gotta tell them. They got all the right beliefs, and they, their behavior's fine, but they have forgotten what matters most. The warning was simply this. Jesus said to them, yet I have this against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You have left your first love. In other words, okay, you got your beliefs nailed. They're, you're believing all the right things. You're behaving in some really good ways. Everything looks good on the outside. 
The problem is the thing that is central, foundational, and core to following me, Jesus says, you have lost it. You don't love me and you don't love each other the way you used to. You're not doing the things that you're doing anymore because your love for other people is so passionate and so deep. Now it's, the church is no longer a movement. Now the church is just going through the motions. You guys just show up on Sunday and kind of do your deal and check the box and move on. Now you're operating and acting more like an organization, an institution that is completely devoid of the love, Jesus would say, that I've demonstrated to you. You have left your first love. And so, I, you know, it's great that you believe right and it's great that you're behaving in really good ways, but none of it really matters if it's not motivated, driven by, and consumed with a love for others, that you're loving others the way I have loved you. Now, what's interesting about this is the Apostle Paul actually knew this would be a trap, a temptation for this church in Ephesus. And so when he wrote his letter to them, you know, years and years before John ever shows up, when he wrote his letter to them, he actually, in the middle of this letter, he tells them the prayer that he is praying for them. And it's a warning, if you will. It's a prayer uh, where the Apostle Paul's going, please don't fall into the trap that they eventually fell into. And it's a prayer that's a great warning for us and reminder to us not to fall into the trap that the church, the Jesus followers in Ephesus eventually fell into. So I wanna read you a little bit of this prayer. It's found in Ephesians 3. And here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said to them, for this reason, now I've just gotta explain to you what the reason is because we're dropping right in the middle. What the Apostle Paul has done so far in this letter is he has tried to help uh, these Jesus followers understand that God has a plan and purpose for their church, that their movement, their gathering, it's not there just to exist, that God actually wants to work in and through their church to do something extraordinary, that the church is the pen God is using to write his story in the world. It's a tool God's using to implement his purposes in the world. And he wants them to know that God has a plan and a purpose for them, that they're not alone that they're not just existing, that they're not just trying to make it through life, that God actually has them where he has them, in this case, in the city of Ephesus, doing what they're doing for a reason. But, and this is key, this is important, but they will never understand or experience their individual plan and purpose unless they understand and experience it within the context of the church, of this movement of Jesus followers. Because none of us are isolated and independent, are we? We like to feel like we're independent. We want to say we're independent, but there is an interdependence when you're a part of the church. And this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to help them understand. If you want to live out the purpose and plan God has for you, you are going to find that and you're going to experience that and you're going to live that out within the purpose and plan God has for us, for the church as a whole. So he says, for this reason, because God has something specific for you, For this reason, the Apostle Paul says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, what he's referring to is the thing that Paul talked about last week in his message, the fact that all of us are connected, the fact that all of us have more in common than we have differences, the fact that when you begin following Jesus, when you become a part of the church, Jesus died to unite us, not to divide us. And so you show up at the cross And all the barriers, all the obstacles, all the differences, all the things that tend to create conflict between us, they all become secondary. They all become unimportant in light of the fact that we all have the same Father in heaven who created us, who loves us, who has a purpose for us. And we all have the same leader and Savior who died and rose again for our sins. The Apostle Paul's going, okay, in light of that, just remember, there's an extraordinary unity here that when 
people look at you as the church, well, people look at us as the church, they should see a love and a unity that they can't find anywhere else. And I wanna be honest, last week, as I was driving and listening to Paul and his message as he talked about that, and the kind of unity that you guys display and love you display towards one another, it was emotionally moving for me. And I'm not an emotional guy. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll be happy to tell you, I'm not an emotional guy. But I was, I was so moved, I had to pull the car over on the side of the road. I thought I was gonna start crying. As I listened and realized how much unconditional love and acceptance you people at this church show to PC and Android users. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I didn't know PC and Android users were Christians. It was a brand new idea to me. I was just like, oh my gosh, I've never seen a church love like that. And then he, he, got, he got to you cat lovers, and I thought, holy smokes. This church loves cat lovers. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus actually said, greater love hath no man than this, a man lay down his life for cat lovers. That is the greatest expression of love, I'm telling you. So I'm, I'm kidding. If you're a cat lover, I'm just a guest speaker. Don't get offended. Paul will be back next week, and your senior pastor loves cats here, okay? <laughs> loves them. As a matter of fact, last night he said to me, I wish I had a whole litter of them. So if you have one, drop it off at his house. I'll send you his address if you don't have it. Matter of fact, if he gets three or four litters, I think it'd be amazing. So anyway, um, we laugh about this. I, I have to be careful. I can only talk about cats when my son is not here. My son just turned 10. Uh, true story, last week, he's a cat lover. I don't know why. I'm doing a DNA test. I'm not sure he's my kid. But anyway, <clears throat> I, he loves cats. I don't know where he got this. So, so last week, he looks at me and he says to me, Dad, why do you not like cats? And I'm so sarcastic, without missing a beat, I said, son, because they're servants of Satan. That's why I don't like cats. <laughs> and he went off and started telling everybody that he knew that I said cats were servants of Satan. So our church is half the size it was a week ago. All the cat lovers have left. I may have lost my job while I'm here. I don't know. So anyway, don't, just don't get offended cat lovers. My point is, this is all kind of funny stuff, right? But, but I could start naming some things that are serious that tend to divide people. And you know what those kinds of topics are. And this is the Apostle Paul's point. No, 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 when it, when it comes to the church, all of that stuff that typically divides people is secondary because we unconditionally love and accept people based on who they are and whose they are, not on what they believe or what side of an aisle they stand on or what their opinion is on some topic. There's something way more important than that. And then, the Apostle Paul starts to get into this prayer that he's praying for them. And by extension, to some extent, he's praying for us. Here's what he wrote. He said, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why would I need strength? Well, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I don't understand. Uh, Paul, tell me, why would we need all of that? And he says, I'll tell you why because you need to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for you. But that plan and that purpose, once you discover it, it will be so much bigger than you, so much bigger than you, that you'll feel like you're incapable of doing it. But he's going, that's okay. Because once you realize that when you begin following Jesus, God places his spirit in you, don't miss that. That's what the word dwell means. It's not like a temporary thing, it's like permanent. He's made his home with you. The apostle Paul's going, once you realize that God puts his spirit in you, then you realize 
that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that allowed him to walk out of a tomb is available to you because God's spirit is in you. That power is available to you. So you can do anything God has planned for you. So yeah, you're gonna need strength to follow God and do what he's asked you to do, but don't worry, he's already provided everything that you need. You don't have to feel incapable or inadequate or unable to do anything because God's gonna give you everything you need to do it. So he says, I pray that you'll begin to understand this. And then he goes on. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, because again, this is core, this is central. If we can't love one another the way Jesus has loved us, then we have missed the boat. We can't be the church because this is core to the church. It's foundational. So he says, I pray you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. If I could just pause here for a second. The apostle Paul just insinuated that there are certain things about God that you will never know and certain things from God you cannot experience unless you're engaged with and a part of this movement we call the church. There's certain things you'll never experience and you will never know because the only way to experience and learn them is to be immersed in and engaged with a group of other Jesus followers. That's how interdependent we are on each other. If you wanna discover God's purpose and plan for you, you will discover it in the church. You wanna live the life God's created you to live, you're going to live it in the church. The church, you can't do it isolated. So he says, I'm praying that together with all God's people, that you're gonna have power to do something. Well, what is it that you're so concerned about and what is it that you're saying there's no way that we could possibly have power to grasp it apart from being a part of a church? He says, well, I'll tell you. I pray you'll have power to grasp how wide and how, how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. To know that love that surpasses knowledge that you'll be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, don't miss this. The apostle Paul just said, there is no way for you to know and experience and come to understand the depth of God's love for you unless you're immersed in and engaged with this movement we call the church. You know why? Some of you, this is your story. You get this. Because you have been at points in your life where you felt like, I blew it. I don't deserve God's love after what I've done. I'm never gonna experience God's love because of who I am. I've gone so far, I've run so far away. God's love, is, it's gone. I'm not gonna get it the way other people get it. And then what happened? Some other followers of Jesus, some people who are part of the church, they showed up and they surrounded you and they loved you in ways you didn't think you deserved and they extended grace in ways you thought you would never see. And you began to understand how deeply and how strongly your heavenly father loves you. But you experienced it or you came to understand it because you experienced it through God's people. It's the only way you'll ever understand. It's the only way you'll ever realize that God's love is so wide, it includes everybody. That God's love's so long, you cannot outrun it. It's so high, it's impossible to miss it. It's so deep, you cannot outsend it. Those are the things the Apostle Paul says we should all experience, learn, and embrace because we're part of a local church. And when you get that, when you get that, when the local church is loving the way the local church ought to love, 
guess what happens? Once you experience that love, you then have the ability to extend that love to the people around you. But you can't love somebody else in a way you've never been loved. So the Apostle Paul goes, come on, come on. You, you wanna experience the full measure of what God's wanting to do in and through your life. You gotta immerse yourself with a group of people who will demonstrate to you the kind of love that you can then demonstrate to others. I'm telling you, this has been my life story. I'm not just saying this because it sounds good. I'm saying this because I have lived this. I was thinking about the impact that being engaged with a church has made on my life. And I realized, I don't think I am where I am today apart from it. I'll give you a couple examples real quick. The church showed me God's activity in the world. See, I had a tendency, just like you have a tendency to think my world is the world. Does this happen to you? My world's the world, you know? And I'm looking for what God's doing in my world. And if he's not doing anything in my world, I assume he's not doing anything in the world because my world is what matters, you know? I'm like, where's God and why isn't he doing something? And as I was growing up, I was very fortunate to grow up in a great church and with a great family. And one of the things I discovered through the church was, oh, no, 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 God's actually active in the world. And so my world's just a little part of that. When I was 16 years old, I was very fortunate because my dad said to me, I'm gonna take you to Brazil and our church helped to fund me to be able to go. And so I spent two weeks with my dad in Brazil and we were not in the nice parts of Brazil, we were up in the mountains um, in a little place that had no running water, sewage or electricity. And you know what, for two weeks as I was up there, I realized, oh my gosh, God is at work up here in so many ways. I didn't know God worked where there wasn't electricity, but lo and behold, he does, you know? It's like, wow, God was doing so much. For two weeks, I watched him at work. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, my world's not all there is. And by seeing God at work in the world, it has made it easier for me to recognize God at work in my world, which also led to this. The church pointed me to my purpose. The church pointed me to my purpose. It was because of my involvement in the church that I grew up believing God had a plan and a purpose for my life. Because you know where you find purpose? Purpose is found on the other side of what's in it for me. Purpose is found across the border of this is about me. Now, where else in the world outside of the church are you taught to put other people before yourself and that the way to find purpose, meaning, and satisfaction in life is actually to give your life away? You don't learn that lesson anywhere else. I would have never known that. I'd have just been like everybody else, good people, but a person that's looking out for myself first. If I hadn't been involved in a church that said, no, 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 you give your life away. You put others before yourself. I... A few, uh, few years ago, my wife and I are having a conversation. And she looks at me and makes this offhanded comment. She's like, you've just always believed your whole life that God had something special he wanted to do through your life, haven't you? And I was like, uh, yeah. And then I said, uh, do you not? And she was like, no, that's not normal, Matt. That's not normal. I said, what do you mean? And she's like, no, most of us don't grow up being taught that. I'm nobody special. I just grew up in a church that always taught for every one of us, God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. So when you're making big decisions, maybe you ought to pause and ask God if there's a direction he wants you to go because he may have a plan and a purpose in that. And Matt, 
they taught me you ought to ask God for wisdom before you make decisions because God promises to give wisdom generously to anybody who asks it, and he'll give you wisdom and perspective on how to live your life and stay in line with his purpose for you. And I thought, I'm a dumb redneck. I need a lot of wisdom, so I just started doing it. So I've just always known, I feel so fortunate, I've just always known, I'm telling you, it's true for you too. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Which leads to this next thing, the church provided me with lifelong friendships. This is so important. Every close friendship I have in my life started in the church. And the reason that matters so much is because I have had plenty of points in my life where if God's plan and purpose was for me to go this direction, I was about to go this direction. And as I look back now, every time I was about to do that and create a regret story for myself, some of these friends from church stepped in and sometimes gently asked me, are you sure that's the direction you wanna go? More often than not, they kicked me in the tail and said, you're an idiot, do not do that. And I avoided a lot of regret because of it. There's value in that, but you know what that requires? That requires humility and dependence. That requires admitting, I'm not just out here doing my own thing. You can't tell me what to do. It's none of your business. It requires saying, no, no, no. I, I feel like God's at work in the world and he's inviting me in. He's got a purpose for me to be a part of what he's doing in the world and I don't wanna miss it. So if you see I'm about to miss it, you say something. If you see I'm getting off track, you let me know. Which leads to the last thing. The church taught me to be generous. The church taught me to be generous, first of all, with my time. Because again, where else do you learn? Oh, you should take some of your time and serve somebody else. You should take some of your time and use it for their benefit, even if it's gonna cost you. Where else do you learn that? But I was taught that from an early age. It's just part of it. And now, it's so fun to watch because my daughter, two kids, my son is obviously 10, my daughter's 11. And um, at our church, whenever you enter middle school, you get to start serving. And she just finished up elementary school in May. And the week after, she was in preschool serving. She couldn't wait. She loves it. So every Sunday now, uh, right now, she goes and serves one service, and then she sits and listens to me the other. And she always wants to ride home with me afterwards. So we're all, you know, every Sunday on the way home from church, I'm like, hey, how was it? And, what are, and she's always talking about how much fun she had serving those kids. She has yet to mention my sermon, but I know it's coming. <laughs> know it's coming. One day I'm gonna, anyway, that's fine with me though. You know why? Because at 11 years old, she is starting to discover what some of us have yet to discover. That significance in life is found on the path to serving. It's found when you learn how to be generous with your time. And it's found when you learn how to be generous with your money. When you learn that, you know, everything that's put in my hands is not for me. And again, I'm not being critical about this because this is a challenge for some of you. And I'm not any better than you. I'm just fortunate. I'll tell you why I'm fortunate. Because again, I grew up in a family and in a church where when I got my first job, started my first little business at 12, mowing yards, you know, and did that, my parents just looked at me and said, hey, every time you get paid, you take 10% of it and you're gonna give it to the church to serve somebody else. You're gonna invest it in what God's doing in the world through this church and then you're gonna save some and then you're gonna live on the rest. And you know what that did for me? Well, one, it taught me I don't have to have every dime I make to live, that I can live on less than I make. 
That's been an extraordinarily valuable lesson. We talked about that for a while. But it also taught me how to break the grip of greed in my heart. Because there's no way to break the grip of greed. There's no way to break the assumption that everything is for my consumption, that everything's for me. There's no way to break that mentality apart from taking some of my money first and investing it in others before I do anything for me. And the third thing it's done for me is there are lessons I have learned about God. There's a a depth to my faith and trust in my heavenly father that would not exist in me apart from practicing generosity. And I do not have time to tell all the stories, but there have been plenty of seasons in my life where giving less than what my wife and I give now, we give a pretty healthy percentage now, but giving less than, just giving 10% seemed irrational and illogical. Matter of fact, there've been seasons where if you put it on paper, take what I make and take all the expenses I have, there wasn't 10% there. And yet I learned in those seasons, I'm gonna give first anyway. And then I watched God provide in some ways that I could not have imagined. I learned that he was gonna take care of me and be there with me in ways I wouldn't have learned any other way. And if, if you struggle with that, listen, I am not being critical. The most difficult thing in the world is to learn how to be generous as an adult. It is. That's why I feel so fortunate. Because as an adult, we all assume everything is for us and we feel all the pressure to you know, pay all the bills and take care of everything and provide all of this stuff. So we never feel like we have any margin. And so what we as Americans do is we give about 2% of our income away. But that 2% is on the back end. It's like the leftovers. I gotta take care of me first, me first, me first, and all the other people first you know, in my family. And then when I get down to the end, if I have any leftover, I'll give it. And that's what we do. And that's good. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that's not generosity. And that doesn't change your heart. And that doesn't teach you to trust God. And that doesn't open the door to his activity in your life, in that area of your life. I'm just so grateful that church taught me, take your time, take your money, and invest it back into the plan and purpose God has, what he's doing in this world through the local church. I think this is why the apostle Paul prayed this because he was trying to invite us, to invite us into a relationship with one another where God could use each of us to help one another understand the depth of his love and his purpose for us. I think he was trying to invite us into something that helps us experience a life we don't even know is possible. It's why the apostle Paul ended this little prayer with these words. He said, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. You know what you dream about for your life. You're working towards it right now. You know that thing that you're like, oh my gosh, if I could just get there. The apostle Paul goes, listen, the life God is trying to invite you into is way bigger than any of your dreams. Way better than what you're imagining. He writes, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. You wanna know God's plan and purpose for your life? You find it through the church. You wanna discover God's purpose? You discover it in the church. You wanna live the life you were created to live? You live it with the church. Your purpose is enveloped in the bigger purpose of what God is doing through this movement, this community of believers we call RCC. And as good as you think your life is and as, you know, 
big as your dreams are, the apostle Paul would say to you, well, there's way more going on and there's way more God has for you than that, but you're only gonna find it if you're engaged with this movement of followers of Jesus and you learn how to love one another practically with your time, with your money, with your life, with your energy. You learn how to love one another the way Jesus has loved you. Now, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I'm just not sure I've ever experienced that. I get it. And so, I wanna invite you to do a couple of things. First of all, if you're thinking, I have no idea how to figure out my purpose in life, just be here next week. Paul's gonna be back with a lot of cats and he's gonna show you, just kidding. He's, he's gonna talk all next week about how to figure out God's purpose for your life. But I wanna invite you today to do one of three things, okay? One of three things. Uh, for some of you, if you go, I just don't even know how to engage with the church better. Well, RCC does a thing called, very creatively, engage, that where they actually teach you how to do this. On all the campuses, July 9th, it starts. You can go to the app, you can go to the QR code, you can learn all about it. I would encourage you to go to that and let them show you some ways that you can engage here so God can use the people in this church to help you grow, to make your life better. Secondly, some of you need to practice a little dependence on other people in this church. And man, none of us like to do that. But here's a simple way you can do it. There was a, a square colored piece of cardstock in your seat when you came in. If there is something that you wish somebody would be praying for you, you have a prayer request of some kind, write it on there. And then as you leave, put it in the prayer wall. Just fold it up and stick it in the prayer walls at all the campuses. And then some of the rest of you, the way that you can engage this week is you can grab one of those and you can pray for somebody else in this church who's going through something. Because what that'll do is every morning, before you start worrying about all your stuff and thinking about and obsessing over all the things you've got to do, it'll force you to take two minutes and to pray about and to think about somebody else before yourself. And then the third thing I want to invite you to do is what Paul's been getting you to do throughout this entire series, which is just pray together collectively for our church, for RCC. And I'm gonna give you another phrase to add to the prayer. It's on the card there on your seat. Would you just pray, I'm praying for you, our church, RCC, to know God's love for you, to love each other well, so you'll understand God's plan for us all. I'm telling you, you wanna discover God's purpose for your life, you will discover it in the church. And if you wanna live the life God created you to live, you're gonna live it with the church because that's how God designed it to be. And listen, listen, if you will simply learn to love one another the way Jesus has loved you, if you'll learn to depend on one another, and if you will learn that your purpose and plan God has for you is enfolded in the purpose and plan of the local church, you will not lose your first love. Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us to be willing to be humble enough to be dependent on you and to be dependent on each other, to not be isolated? Would you help us to, um, 
to be willing to put others before ourselves and to engage with your church in such a way that you can use the people around us to help us learn how to love, help us learn how to know you better, to grasp how deeply you love us, God, and to grasp the plan that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you all so much for being here. Y'all have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.